Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Lisa. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ City Church. Um, so glad that you're here with us. So glad that you're here with us. Those of you on YouTube, hello. Thanks for joining from Texas. Sometimes, well, Matthew and I have family in Texas and they tune in. So hi out there. Um, DC, Virginia, Maryland, uh, any other place that you find yourself this morning. Uh, for YouTubers, I'm gonna give you a heads up now that I'm gonna be asking you to chime into the chat in just a few minutes. So if you, you know, need to do something about your access, I'm warning. Get ready. Um, my family and I have just returned from a week of vacation uh, down in the Caribbean. It was lovely. I, I love the sun. I love the beach. I love the water. I feel very refreshed. Uh, and I am so delighted to get to be with you today and see what God would have for us um, in this time and in this space. As a community, uh, you heard this, Matthew made the announcement, we've been gathering each morning through the Lenten season, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. for about 20 minutes, and those morning prayer meetings have been just so good. Um, as a church, we wanna press into the Lord during the Lenten season. And we wanna do that, uh, one way is we wanna do that through prayer, individually and prayer as a church community. So in those uh, morning prayers, we pray from the Book of Common Prayer, we read scripture passages that, uh, that are like scripted. I wouldn't say assigned, because not really assigned, it's just scripted for us. So we pray those passages, we pray for ourselves, we pray for our community. It's a way for us to orient ourselves to God at the beginning of the day, and for us to connect uh, with the Lord and to give some unique intention around our spiritual practices during Lent. The hope and the prayer of this is that we might begin to understand and begin to experience the power of God in our midst as we call upon him. That we might become more practiced at prayer. Even if you've been praying since you were a child, the truth is we're always just beginners because God is infinite and endless that we might become more anticipatory of the Spirit's movement in our prayers. So I would invite you, again, to make it a point to join us this week. Um, if you can't join every day, then maybe pick one day or two days that you can join us and just fold that into your schedule. 7 a.m. All right, so we're about at the halfway mark of our Learning to Live series the discipleship and formation experience that Pastor Justin wrote for our church a few years ago. And the hope is that we as individuals and as a community might better learn how to live as Jesus would if he were in our place. This is the essence of what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, learning how to live as Jesus would if he were in our place. Centuries ago, when Jesus walked the cities and the countrysides, he extended the invitation over and over, come, follow me, come, follow me, come be my disciple. Our aim through this series is that we would learn to follow Jesus, learn to live in the ways of Jesus. Last week, Matthew preached on how to live a full life. He reminded us that good things take time. He reminded us with an object lesson, bless the Lord, some barbecue if you missed it. Mm, sorry. Um, he reminded us that stillness and that rest and the slow, consistent life with Jesus where our efforts come together with God's grace, that life 
That one is a life that is full in the most meaningful and best of ways. This week we're looking at the spiritual practice of prayer. This is a foundational practice for followers of Jesus. Because we're, going, because we're going through the Learning to Live curriculum as a congregation, and most of our small groups are working through the Learning to Live curriculum, uh, we're going to practice prayer in various ways throughout the week. So in addition to the sermon today, in addition to the morning prayers, um, you'll have the opportunity to engage in the transformative practice of prayer. And in our times of praying together in small groups and during those morning, gathering, morning gatherings, we will pray um, with a variety of different types of prayers. Because you know what? There's not just one way to pray. There are multiple ways to pray. And uh, some of them you might be less familiar with. And we as the pastoral team are okay to like, stretch you a little bit. We want you to grow in your practices. So we'll introduce new forms of prayer that potentially will be unfamiliar because we understand that sometimes the spirit needs to disrupt the familiar so that he can catch our attention again. We'll invite you to participate in prayer walks because sometimes prayer needs to be in place so that the Spirit of God can alert us to the work of God in that space and within a people and within a geography. We'll be praying for one another. We'll be praying for people to know Jesus, praying for healing, praying for the end to violence and to injustice like we heard about from Pastor Justin. We will pray for reconciliation of relationships. We'll pray for courage. We'll pray for wisdom. We'll pray for discernment. We'll pray quietly. We'll pray alone. We'll pray together. We'll pray with words. Maybe we'll pray with songs. Yet in all of this, the aim is that we might grow in our understanding of and in the experience of calling on the name of the Lord, the strong and mighty one, the tender and compassionate one, the sustainer, the one who has loved us with an everlasting love. So I want to begin with a basic question that has what seems to me a bit of a complicated answer. And the question is, what is prayer? What is prayer? I want to give you a moment to consider that question. How would you answer? And so now for you in the room and the folks on the YouTube, uh, if you're able to drop your response in the chat, what is prayer? Uh, it doesn't need to be fully formed. Your answer doesn't have to be just right. We're not looking for a theological treatise. It doesn't have to be you know, very precisely articulated. In fact, um, raw answers are great. You might even say, I don't know. So, congregation here, what would you say prayer is? What is prayer? Yes. Talking to God. Talking to God, yes. Someone else. Yeah, that's a good answer, yes. So, louder. Oh, yeah, okay, you don't have to wait to, I, if you just uh, want to say something, you can just call it out, yes. Listening to God. Okay. Oh, you were pointing to her so I could see. I got you. Okay, list, talking to God. Listening to God. A couple more. Seeking. Seeking. Great. This section right here. Being in communion with God. 
being in communion with God. Okay, Matthew back there on the chat. We got anything from the chat? Speaking to God, reaching out, connecting. Yes, yes, yes. Openness. Openness. I love that. Yeah, so good. Thank you. As I was thinking about this question, what is prayer? I've retraced some of my understanding of what prayer is and have gone back to some of my first prayers when I was this little girl. Let's see if we got it. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> That's, uh, that's me with my mom and sisters, Jeannie, my mom, uh, Susan, the eldest and most responsible with the long brown hair and the blue dress, Amy, the, most, uh, the youngest and the most famous in our Cuban-American family because she's both adorable and because she's rubia, she's rubia, that means blonde in Spanish. Uh, we don't get those very often in the Cuban family line. Uh, I'm the one on the far right the middle of the three little Rodriguez girls. And I've been thinking, what were some of the prayers that this little Lisa prayed? My world in those years was defined by family and faith. Like all children, I loved to play. Even then, I was daring and adventurous. What did I dare with Jesus in my times of prayer? How have those first and earliest prayers shaped the trajectory of my prayer life? One prayer that I was taught as a child is one I prayed many nights before going to sleep. I shared a room with my two little sisters. Um, When we were still small enough to sleep two of us in a bed, I'd crawl up or maybe jump up because I have that kind of energy. And I would say goodnight to my sisters and just before nodding off, I would whisper, these words to God. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Looking back, and even then I realized there is a bit of morbidness to this prayer. (laughs) I was praying as a five or six-year-old, if I die in my sleep, Also, is this really a child's prayer? What are we really doing here? (laughs) But also, there is a truth in this prayer that I have held on to. As I lay down to sleep, it's a remembrance that God is the one that holds me, that keeps me. While I am at my most vulnerable, God is watching over me. I actually pray this sentiment over my own children at night, that they would know that while they rest, that God watches over them, and in his care that they can rest without worry. Growing up in a Christian family with my two granddads who were ministers, I knew from early on that prayer wasn't just for me, or for my situation, or even for the sake of just my own soul. But it was also a way for me to petition for others, to do what I could do to make sure that God was aware of the circumstances of others in my life and that God would act on their behalf as well. When I think back to the earliest memories of prayer and the earliest meanings of prayer, this is the image that I have. What are the earliest images of prayer for you? Maybe it's Prayers of thanksgiving when you've gathered around the table just before you start to eat. 
Maybe you learned how to pray with the helpful ACTS acronym, that's A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's what we're teaching our kids in Kids City today. Maybe it wasn't prayers that you prayed, but prayers that you overheard from others as they prayed. And those are the prayers that have shaped you and now inform how you might answer the question, what is prayer? In answering the question, what is prayer, I want to answer it in two ways. I want to answer the question, what is prayer, in a very specific sense, and then I want to answer it more broadly. Prayer, first, is calling on God, and then secondly, is communing with God. I heard you all say this in various different ways when I asked. Prayer is calling on God, and prayer is communing with God. When we call on God, uh, we are asking God to come through on God's promises, chiefly his promises of salvation and rescue and redemption and renewal. Let me repeat that. Prayer is calling out to God, calling on God to come through on God's promises, chiefly his promises of salvation, rescue, redemption, and renewal. This understanding isn't original with me. I'm indebted to a number of pastors and authors who've clarified this definition for me, namely J. Gary Miller of Queensland Theological College in Australia. Prayer is those moments when we call out and cry out to God, asking for God to address some area in our lives or in the world that isn't as God intended, and yet is an area within the scope of life that God has indicated that he is setting to work right. Understood in this way, prayer carries in it a gospel ache and a gospel recognition. If you were here for a few weeks ago for the four-part uh, gospel sermon, this might ring a bit familiar. The good news message that God has committed to providing a promise and a provision through Jesus Christ to set right all that is broken in the world. And because of that promise and that provision, we can come to God with our prayers. We can, as the scriptures say, call on the name of the Lord. This refrain of calling upon God repeats throughout the Bible. It begins in Genesis. The first time that the, that the phrase appears is in Genesis 4. After the fall and the consequences of the fall that follow, the Bible recounts that Adam and Eve's story after the garden uh, their family is growing and they begin to have grandchildren and then we see for the very first time the phrase that is repeated throughout the scripture. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. In 1 Chronicles 16, the people of God are commanded, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among his peoples. In the Psalms, it's repeated, such as in Psalm 116, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. This sentiment, if not the phrase of crying out to God, concludes in the Bible. In Revelation chapter 22, the penultimate verse in all the Bible, which says simply, come Lord Jesus, calling on the name of the Lord. Prayer is our crying out to God to come through on God's promises, 
to save, his promise to heal, his promise to renew. Prayer is the words and the tears and the groans that we lay at the Lord's feet as we cry out for liberation, for deliverance from that which oppresses us without and within. When we pray for God to heal a family member of cancer, we are praying that God who told us that he would be there and that he would heal and that God is a God who will wipe away every tear from our eyes and that soon there will be no more death, that there will be no more mourning or crying or pain. We are calling out to that God. When we pray for liberation from besetting sins or sorrow of spirit, we call on the name of the one who says to us, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Our prayers are those moments when we are coming to God and asking God to make good on God's promises, on his gospel promises, God's kingdom promises that God is at work seeking, saving, restoring, and renewing. I think this is what Jesus was trying to help his disciples understand in today's passage. He was trying to help them understand how to pray. And the scripture starts with, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Being a good rabbi, he has not only modeled prayer, he was actually doing that in the, in the beginning of this scene, he offers um, also a few sample phrases for his disciples to understand how to pray. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Now, you'll know that we pray a longer version of this prayer each week during our liturgy, the Lord's Prayer. Others might know it better as the Our Father, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them first to pray for God's kingdom to come. The other thing I love about this is that he taught them to pray with shameless audacity. I don't know if you heard it when, uh, when Matthew read the scriptures earlier, but in the first vignette, in the first story, in verse eight, Jesus says, it's not because you're a friend to the person, it's because of his shameless audacity that the man would get up out of his bed in the middle of the night and give the man at the door anything that he needed. We're taught to pray for God's kingdom to come and we're taught to pray for it with shameless audacity. There's a certain desperation, I think, that we're encouraged towards when we call on God, for God's kingdom to come, for God to come through on God's promises. So let me ask us this, how desperate, how audacious are we for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven? If you've been at Christ City for a while, you've heard us articulate what, what is the kingdom of God? We talk about it like this, it is God's rule and reign in every life and every sphere of life. So God's rule is the new way of living that God brings about and makes possible in every person's life. And God's reign is the realm where God is in charge, where what God wants to happen actually happens, where God's will is done. It's personal, it's social, and it's systemic. God's kingdom is about an all-encompassing transformation, God-filled, Jesus-shaped, 
spirit-empowered transformation. God's kingdom is about all-encompassing transformation. It is God-filled, Jesus-shaped, spirit-empowered transformation. So what does it take to pray with shameless audacity for God's kingdom to come? I think our desperation for God is directly proportional to our understanding of the reality of the condition of our lives and the world around us and the complete inability that we have to improve any of that apart from God's help. See, I think that sometimes part of the challenge of praying for God's kingdom to come, for justice, for things to be made right, is that we don't actually know what it looks like. Because if we did, we would be so captivated by what God wants to do, and we'd be so cognizant of our absolute inability to make that happen on our own that our desperation quotient would be off the charts. We would pray the most shameless and audacious prayers. When we call on God and we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're asking God to make things right in the world around us. And we're also asking for our own souls to be transformed so that the sin and the selfishness in our own lives, the ways that we lash out at others or hurt people, our own addictions, our own destructive habits, our own distracted half-lives, that they might pass away and that we might increasingly take on the likeness and the shape and the character of Jesus. When we call on God and we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're asking for our daily bread, that God will provide not always what we want, but what we really need. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're asking for our sins to be forgiven just as we forgive those who sin against us. We're asking for grudges to be dropped and for secrets, for scores to no longer need to be settled. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're praying that when we face times of trial or temptation, whether that's losing a loved one or losing a job or not knowing how you're going to break an addiction or not knowing where your next rent check is coming from or whether you're ever going to get married or whether your marriage is ever going to get better or whether you've been, you'll ever be reconciled to your kids, we're praying in the midst of those trials and temptations that we would not fall away that we won't get discouraged, that Jesus will find faithfulness when he returns. We call on God and pray for God's kingdom to come, and when we do that, we're asking for God's grace and love and beauty and goodness to be found in every life and in every sphere of life. That's what I want to see more of. And I don't know about you, but I can't do any of that on my own. I need God to do that in me and around me. Just like Matthew talked about last week, our effort and God's grace. Thanks be to God, that's exactly what God wants. 
to do in me by the power of the Holy Spirit living in me. And that's exactly what God wants to do in us by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. So prayer is calling out to God. We ask for God's kingdom to come in specific ways, but in a more broad and general sense, it is also simply communing with God. Prayer is those moments when we are communing and communicating with God, with our mouths and with our minds, with our lives and from our souls, talking with and walking with God, sitting with God, living with a Godward intentionality. Those moments can be viewed as prayer. It is this notion of prayer as communing with God or living with a Godward intention that I think that Paul writes about when he said in 1 Thessalonians 5:17, pray without ceasing. The understanding that praying isn't simply those moments when we pause and quietly say the formulaic words of, dear Lord. And although prayer isn't less than that, it certainly is more than that. That communion with God, whatever the act, whatever the words or lack of words, is a form of prayer. And what that means is that even tomorrow morning when you launch into work, if there is an intentional direction and intentional orientation to God's presence and communion with you in the midst of your workday, then it can be said in a real sense that your work is a form of prayer. And as such, that ought to shape how we work. When you're home doing your chores, our teenagers are already out of the room, or, you know, I mean, like adulting, you know, we do that too. There is a very real sense that when we orient ourselves to the presence of God with us in the most mundane of things, doing laundry, making a grocery list, washing dishes, there can be an orientation that God's presence is with us. And when we have that, that is called prayer. That is communing with God. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, abide in me, that's an invitation to the communing with God type of prayer. It's awareness and it's intention. It's not about what we are saying or, or asking from God, it's about being with God. Prayer is conversation with God and encounter with God. It is talking with God and doing things with God asking of God for our lives and then aligning our lives to what God reveals to us. Abiding in God, staying connected with God, calling on God and communing with God. That's prayer. My heart is so full for what I believe God wants for us, for who God wants you individually and us as a community to become, for how God wants us to be changed so that we might be a blessing to those around us. I want us, Christ City Church, to be a church that prays, that persists in prayer, that prays with shameless audacity. Not prayer for prayer's sake, but prayer so that we can see the reality of things as they really are in each of our lives and in our city and in our world so that we can catch a glimpse of God's vision and God's heart 
so that we can co-create and co-labor with God what it means for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, in every life and every sphere of life. So pray the ACTS acronym, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray with words. Pray without words. Whatever we do, beloved, let's pray. Let's call on the name of God. Let's commune with God. Knowing that God will keep God's promises. Maybe if you don't have words tonight when you lay your head on your pillow, just like little Lisa prayed, you can start with, now I lay me down to sleep. That will bring Jesus such great delight. Will you pray with me? We're aware that you are with us, Lord. That your invitation, come follow me, didn't stop when you returned to heaven, that we are invited to continue to know what it means to learn to live in your ways. Thank you for the possibility of prayer. Thank you for the model of prayer. Thank you for the opportunity to call on you, God, and to commune with you, God. May our lives be ever and increasingly fashioned in the likeness of Christ so that we would more, more accurately reflect you. We love you, God, and we thank you for the gift of prayer, for the power of prayer. Form us and shape us as we practice and as we sit with you and as we open our hearts to you. May your kingdom come. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.